We're starting a new series today called The Weary World Rejoices, and it is a lyric from the Christmas hymn, O Holy Night. And we will sing that on Christmas Eve. Uh, and I love this, just this thought of the weary world rejoices. We're going to look at the first century when Jesus was born at how uh, things were challenging for people who lived then. And many of them were weary for many reasons. And I think if we're honest, that many of us in our world today are weary for many different reasons. And there's lots of parallels. But that even in the midst of our being weary and tired and worn down and fed up, that we can rejoice, that there is good news, that there is much that we can be grateful for. So we will be talking a lot about how we're weary, how the people in Jesus' day were weary, and why we can come and rejoice. So glad you're here today to be a part of this discussion. Uh, when I'm driving around in Charlotte uh, in my car, a lot of times in the commute time, going wherever, you know, everywhere in Charlotte is at least 20 minutes away, right? So we're all in our cars and we're listening to things, or maybe we're just grabbing the silence, uh, just some moments alone, some solace. But in my car, a lot of times I have the radio on, and a lot of times I'm listening to local sports radio here in Charlotte. And I listen to these guys talk a lot about uh, the local sports and sometimes, well, actually, a lot of times lately, I almost feel sorry for the guys who are talking about sports on the radio. Um, I can't really feel sorry for them, though, because they get paid to talk about sports. You can't really feel bad for somebody who gets to pay, paid to talk about sports. But uh, in case you haven't noticed, our local sports teams are terrible. Uh, the Carolina Panthers, the Charlotte Hornets, they stink. They're bad. And so... It's almost painful listening to the radio people, personalities, and men and women trying to keep an audience talking about a product that's awful. And so, you know, there's a lot of venting on there. People are mad at the sports. They're mad at their life. So it's a lot of negative. But trying to get hopeful things out of sports in Charlotte is challenging. Right? We just fired our football coach for the Carolina Panthers. We're on our sixth coach in six years uh, we haven't been to the playoffs in six years, losing seasons, and we've won one game and lost 11. And so there's not a lot that we can really cheer about for the Panthers. And they've been around for 28 years, and they've been to two Super Bowls, didn't win one. And, but people are just weary. Like, when are we going to have a consistent good team? The Hornets are not much better. Our professional basketball team, we, they've been here on and off. We, we lost a team. We got another team. We renamed a team. 35 years. 35 years of Charlotte Hornets, in, uh, and we've not gotten out of the playoffs past the first round. We haven't been in the playoffs in seven years, right? So it is difficult for those radio personalities to have anything positive to say about local sports. We're weary of waiting on teams that are going to win. What are you weary of waiting on in your life? What are you weary of waiting on to happen in your life. I wish this would happen with my job. I wish this would happen with my schooling. I wish this would happen with my art. I wish this would happen with my music. I wish this would happen with my relationship. I wish this would happen with my health. What are you weary of waiting on? Well, I want to go to the first century as we're setting up the story of Jesus being born and the people in first century Palestine in the land of Israel overseas in the Middle East were weary of waiting on many different things. We're going to meet a man named Zechariah who is a priest of God and his wife Elizabeth. 
And they are both faithful to God. Uh, Zechariah is getting ready to go do his duty. They had a national kind of a, a place to worship called the temple. And it's his turn to go into the temple and to, and to serve there, to serve God there. And Zechariah and Elizabeth are old and they're weary. And they've always wanted children, but they were never given the gift of children. And so we're going to pick up the story and see what happens in their life. Uh, so let's look at Zechariah and Elizabeth's life in Luke chapter 1. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. And both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Given up hope, weary of waiting on God, when am I going to have a child? Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. Now I'm guessing Zechariah is probably in shock and not sure whether or not to believe this. Elizabeth's going to have a hard time believing in herself when she hears John will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So Zechariah and Elizabeth, your long wait is over. You've waited to have a child. And you're going to have a special child. You're going to call him John. And, and he's not just going to be any child. He is going to be the one who prepares the way for the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God, Jesus himself. Right? So your long wait is over. This is a special child who will be a special man, and his role is to give Israel some relief. Because as Zechariah and Elizabeth had waited their whole life to have a child, Israel had been waiting over 700 years for the Messiah to show up, the Savior, the Son of God. The anointed one. Right? So about a thousand years before Jesus was born, there, Israel was a great kingdom. And it was ruled by a great king, by a man named David. King David was a mighty ruler. He was a military ruler, a political ruler. He was a religious ruler. He was a great man and did great many things for God. Then his son Solomon took over and ruled Israel. And he had a good run, but he also made some mistakes. And after Solomon was dead, the, eventually Israel split into two different groups. Right? They couldn't live with each other anymore, so they, they split up kind of north and south. And from that point on, bad things would happen. In 732 years before Jesus, the northern territory was conquered by outsiders and would be dominated. Right? The southern kingdom lasted till about 586 years before Jesus was born, but it too was taken over. And so now the people of Israel didn't even rule their own country. And they were repressed, and, and, and they were killed and taken into captivity, and all these bad things happened. But there was hope. We read this from the prophet Isaiah. A prophet's a spokesperson for God. This is in kind of the 700-year frame before Jesus is born. Okay, let's see this. This is to the people of Israel who've just been conquered by another nation. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. This is the prophecy for the birth of Jesus. 
that God's going to rescue the people of Israel. He's going to send a Messiah, a Savior, a King. Emmanuel means God with us, right? We know that's who Jesus becomes, God with us. And so this is a prophecy that's given to the prophet Isaiah about 700 years before Jesus was born. 700 years is a long time to wait. How many times do you think the men and women and children of Israel were praying to God, God, when are you going to send the Messiah? We're tired of foreign oppression. We're tired of being under the yoke of slavery. We're tired of all these things. When, God, are you going to do what you promised? We are weary of waiting. What are you weary of waiting on in your life? So we fast forward the story 700 years. It's easy for us to do. We're on the other side of that, on the right side of that. And Jesus is born, right? We, we're going to do that in a couple of weeks. Mary and Joseph have this baby, and, and they're super excited, and, and they want to be good followers of God. And so one of their traditions was to take a newborn to the temple where Zechariah had that vision from the angel, all that kind of stuff. And they dedicate their newborn to God. So Mary and Joseph take baby Jesus Right about a month and a half after he's born to Jerusalem, to the temple, and they're going to dedicate him to God. And we're going to meet two other people who've been waiting and have been weary of waiting for a long time. The first is a man named Simeon, who's an old man who's been hanging around the temple, and God has given him a great gift. Let's see what happens when Simeon uh, gets into the story. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had revealed to him the, by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Some people have been waiting 700 years. I get a chance to see the Messiah. Right? What a gift that is to Simeon. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents, Mary and Joseph, brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, right, dedicate him to God. Simeon took him in his arms and praised him saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Thank you, God. I got to hold the Messiah in my hand. Can you imagine, right? That was probably worth the wait, right? Weary of waiting and you get to hold the Messiah. Well, there's also another person who's there at the temple who's been waiting on the Messiah, and her name is Anna. Let's see what happens with Anna. There was also a prophet named Anna. Now, ladies, note this, right? In patriarchal times where men were everything, women were nothing, a prophet named Anna, right? This is girl power to its height. This is awesome. Don't miss this, right? This is a powerful passage of Scripture, right? The prophet Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher, She was very old. She lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. So 84, people back then lived to be 30, maybe, 30 or 40. She has had a long life of waiting. She was married seven years. Her husband died. She's been on her own for a long time. She never left the temple but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. And coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So Anna also got to see the Messiah. Some people waited 700 years. Well, nobody really, because you don't live 700 years, right? But a nation has waited 700 years. She's waited 84 years, and she gets to behold the Messiah. What are you waiting on? What are you weary of waiting on? How might God be moving 
in your life in the midst of that wait. And right, so now we're going to jump ahead in the, in the story of, of the Scripture. Uh, we're going to go to the last book of the Bible. It's the book of Revelation. Uh, and this is a, it's a fancy kind of weird kind of book. It talks about things that happened in the past. It talked about things when it was written in the first century. And it also talked about things that are going to come at the end of time. Uh, and this is the end of the book of Revelation. And let's see what it says. Uh, he who testifies to these things says, right, this is Jesus is who they're talking about. Right? So these are Jesus' words. Yes, I'm coming soon. And then John, who wrote the book of Revelation, says, Amen, come Lord Jesus. Right? So the end of the book of Revelation, right, we see this vision in heaven, and Jesus says, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I'm going to come back. And whatever evil's left, we're going to wipe it off the table. There's going to be a new heaven. There's going to be a new earth. And all the followers of Christ are going to live forever in the glorious kingdom together. Right? And Jesus says, I'm coming soon. Right, well, we're going to go back to the first century, uh, and it's been somewhere between 30 and 60 years. We're not sure exactly when this letter was, was written that we're going to read. Um, but there's some Christians who are taking Jesus very literally. Like He says, I'm coming soon. They're saying, you know, it's been 30 years, maybe it's been 60 years. Where's Jesus? Right? He's not come back. And these Christians were being persecuted because of their faith. And they were really having a hard time hanging on to their faith. It wasn't safe to be a Christian in this community. And so they're like, where's Jesus? He promised he'd be back. Where is he? Why isn't he here? Right? Some of us might be wondering that today, right? The world's a crazy place. There's a lot of bad things going on. Jesus said he'd come soon. Why does he come now and just fix everything? Right? So I think we can identify with some of these folks like, well, Jesus, where are you? Why are you waiting so long to come back? And this is what Peter teaches us. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. Little known fact. Right? The 12 Days of Christmas song, right? Eight Maids of Milk and all that stuff. Eight Maids of Milk and was supposed to be eight scoffers scoffing. Seriously. Right? But the maids had such a great union, they got their stuff in the... You know. <laughs> It's not eight scoffers scoffing. That, but that's a funny verse, right? So, so there's people making fun of the Christians. Where's Jesus? He's supposed to be back. He's not coming back, right? Uh, they will say, where is this coming? He promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as since the beginning of creation. Jesus ain't coming back, people. He's not coming back. Right? But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Why is Jesus not coming back fast enough, right? There's two reasons. One, right, soon for Jesus is a relative term, right? For Jesus, that could be 1,000 years, 2,000 years, 3,000 years, right? For us, that's not soon, right? It's, it's a relative term. And secondly, did you catch what he said? The reason Jesus delays is because he wants to allow as many people as possible the opportunity to come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. He's delaying for the good of the world. The longer he takes to come back, the more people can come to faith in Jesus. So it's like, chill out, people, right? Jesus is coming back. But here's what I think we sometimes miss. The good news is that Jesus is already with us. Right? The good news is that the wait is over. Jesus has been born. 
Jesus is in our lives. Jesus is in our hearts, even as he's in the kingdom of heaven. He sent the Holy Spirit into our lives, right? So for us, right, we don't have to wait on the Messiah, right? Jesus is with us now, and that's the good news of Advent. It's the good news of Christmas. It's the good news of Easter is we already have Jesus with us, right? He's going to come back in all of his glory. Yeah, that's going to be awesome, but we don't have to wait on it, right? The kingdom of God is among us. Right? It will be with us full one day, but it's among us. And the good news is the wait is over. God is with us now. God is with you now when you struggle. God is with you now when you have good things in your life. God is with us now. The wait is over. Right? So when we're weary in our lives about things that aren't going exactly the way that we want to, we need to be looking for where Jesus is at work in our lives. The wait is over. Jesus is is with us. God is with us. Emmanuel, God is with us now. But we still wrestle with some really difficult questions, right? like Zechariah and Elizabeth. Right? When am I going to have a child? When am I going to have a grandchild? When am I going to get into the college of my choice? When am I going to be healed? When is my loved one going to be healed? When am I going to make the team? When am I going to get the promotion? When am I going to get the job? Right? We have these questions God, we love you. We're following you. We're praying for these things. Why haven't these things happened to us? Right? And so I want to think about that. I was, I was listening in my car the other day uh, to radio. This time it was to a Christian uh, music station, right? So it's not just sports with Pastor Kyle. Um, and they have these little snippets between songs and, and like, you know, little snippets of theology. And, and the lady came on and she's like, you know, if you've been praying for something and you haven't gotten an answer from God, then one of two things might be happening. One, God might be protecting you from something. You might be praying for something that you think that you want, but God knows that really it's not good for you, and so God is protecting you by not letting that prayer happen in the way that you expect it to. Or God might be delaying something happening in your life because he's preparing you for something better, right? So maybe it's not happening because God's protecting you. Maybe it's not happening because God's preparing you for something. And I think that these two things can be true. They can be true. Right? One example, when I was single, before I married my, my beautiful wife, uh, Laura, uh, I used to be in relationships. And, I, and it would be, you know, not uncommon for me to pray to God in a serious relationship. Hey, God, this is going well. You know, if it's your will, please let me marry this person. Let us live happily ever after and all that kind of stuff. And all those relationships ended and they fell apart, you know. And so was it God uh, was protecting me from a relationship that wasn't going somewhere more likely, God was protecting that woman from, from crazy Pastor Kyle, right? Or was God preparing me for something better, like my wife, Laura, right? So I think in both cases, he was protecting me from relationships that wouldn't go somewhere. He was preparing me for something that I couldn't even dream about, you know, the perfect person for me, right? So I think sometimes this works. But I think sometimes this, this breaks down. That sometimes God's not preparing us and sometimes not, God's not protecting us. It's just God respects our freedom to choose. And God respects other people's freedom to choose. God's not going to make a woman marry me to override her free will. Does that make sense? Let's think about this. We've seen the terror of war, haven't we, in the Ukraine? In Israel, in Gaza, in Palestine, right? We've seen Palestinian children die. We've seen Israeli Jewish children die. We've seen Ukrainian children die. And I guarantee you, all their parents have been praying, dear God, please protect my child. So when their child dies, is this God 
preparing them for something better. Oh, you know, don't worry about them. We'll get you a better child, right? No, that's terrible, right? Is God protecting the parents from something? Well, your child died so that you didn't have to die. No, that's terrible theology. Do you see that? God wasn't preparing or protecting those parents from anything. God honors our freedom to choose. And there's some people in the world who choose very poorly. And lives are changed and ended. And it's tough. The reality is, some things are just not going to happen to us. Some of us will not get in the school of our choice. Some of us will not marry the person of our dreams. Some of us will not get the job that we want. Some of us will get sick and die. Right? And so this is where we really have to challenge our theology. Right? Is, is God protecting us? Is God preparing us? Or is God honoring our freedom of choice? Because God acts in the world. Sometimes there's miracles. There's people who are, who are saved from diseases and sometimes they're not. So this is where it's really difficult for us to wrestle with what's going on in the midst of this. And that's where we come back to the fact that God is with us in the good and in the bad, right? Let's look at some scripture that can help anchor us in this, okay? So let's go to Romans. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. So when bad things happen to you, God doesn't cause that to happen. But God will work in your life to bring good back into your life. If you don't get into the school of your choice and your dreams are dashed, right? You didn't get into wherever you wanted to go, right? I don't know that God calls that to happen or whatever, but I can guarantee you that God's going to give you an opportunity maybe to go to a different school that might be better for you. Or maybe your lot in life is to, to work a job where you find fulfillment and you didn't need to go to that school, right? Maybe, uh, you see what I'm saying, Right? So in all things, God will work to bring good back into your life. God doesn't cause the bad things, but God is with you, and he's working to bring goodness into your life, even when not all of your dreams are met. So let's keep going with Romans. This is deep stuff. Y'all want to go home and read Romans chapter 8. If you're really struggling with things, this is a great chapter. Romans 8 in the New Testament. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, right, Bombs in Ukraine, bombs in Palestine, bombs in Israel. Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We want everything in our life to be smooth and easy and good, and I want that too. But we live in a broken world because we have freedom to choose, and sometimes we choose poorly, and sometimes other people choose poorly. But Jesus is with us. That's the good news, is that Jesus is with us. The weight is over. God is with us. He is with us in the good times, and he's with us in the bad times. And in the bad times, he works to bring good back into our lives. That's what we celebrate today. The world's a mess. It's a messy place. And we sometimes want it to be perfect, but we can't. But what, what do we lean on? We lean on the fact that God is with us, and he will work to bring good into our lives. God is enough. Jesus is enough, right? And sometimes, sometimes, we're the answer to someone's prayer. Someone's waiting, and they're praying to God, God, help me in this situation, God, help me in this situation, and you and I are the answer to that prayer. 
if we choose to use our freedom of choice to respond, right? Let's think about this. I want to give you some examples in just a minute. We at our church every year do uh, an annual tradition for Christmas. We take up a special Christmas offering uh, that we give to two charities or ministries, and we, we give it all away. Right? And so we do this because Christmas is Jesus' birthday. Right? And the question is, well, if it's Jesus' birthday, why do we get all the presents and Jesus doesn't get anything? Right? I, no, I love Christmas presents. I'm going to give them. I'm going to get them. It's all great. Nothing wrong with that. Right? But it's Jesus' birthday, so shouldn't we give Jesus something? Right? Well, what do you give somebody who has everything? Right? God has everything. So what we do is, is we give presents to God. We give financial gifts to two ministries. Right? And we say, happy birthday, Jesus. This is our gift to you. We give 100% of it away, and that's our way of helping people and giving God a birthday present. So this year, we're going to give to two specific ministries and charities. Um, the first of them is our ministry in Haiti. We've got a picture of our kids here. Uh, pastor Actionel, uh is a pastor in Bayonne, Haiti. He was with us a couple months ago, and he told us that Haiti's in a bad situation, they don't have a government. Gangs with guns rule the country. It's unsafe. People are being kidnapped and raped and they're starving. And, and in the northern part of Haiti, right, we've got this little enclave where there's a church, a school, and a medical clinic that we help support, that God is you know, helping them to, to survive all of this. And Pastor Actionel said there's two things that you can do. You can sponsor kids at our school, right? There's 2,500 kids that go to school. They get their only meal of the day. They are a warm meal, and so we've sponsored 68 from our church. I'm so proud of you guys, right? Uh, and he said, the other thing you can do is, is send us uh, money for food. It costs $1,000 a day to feed those 2,500 kids. $1,000 a day. Guess what? They don't have $1,000 a day in Haiti, right? And so Pastor Actionel said, if you can send us some food, uh, some money for food, and I'm going to talk about this a lot more next week. And today I want to talk about our second ministry that we're going to support, it's a local ministry called Bright Blessings. Uh, it's out of Matthews, uh, and it serves five counties, including Mecklenburg County, and it helps children, children who are in need. Uh, we've got a list of four things that they do. They bless babies, they bless birthdays, they give the gift of literacy, and they give the gift of care. We've got just a brief video that introduces you to Bright Blessings. Check this out. Birthdays are super important. As a child, we didn't really celebrate my birthday growing up. And so when I got older and I realized it's genuinely a celebration of one's life, whether you're five or 95, it's really important to make the child feel loved on that day, to remind them that we are happy that you're alive, we're happy that you're here. For many of us, providing gifts and a birthday party for your child might be second nature. It's just something you do every year. But the reality is a lot of the people we serve aren't able to do that. It may seem insignificant to some people, but everyone wants to feel celebrated and feel like they're somebody on at least one day out of the year. And so just being able to, to say, I see you, I hear you, you're important, you can do amazing things. It just makes a difference, especially to the parents, to be able to say, I was able to give you something and to celebrate you today. 
Bright Blessings' mission is to provide joy, care, and hope to homeless and impoverished children by mobilizing a community of volunteers of all ages. And what started as just a birthday program and celebrating the birthdays at one shelter has just grown to include now literacy, gift items and care items, and now baby items because of the needs of the community. So our Blessed Baby program is a big part of what we do. Many of the moms we serve are already overwhelmed and worried about bonding with their baby because they're not sure how they're going to care for their new child. So we're able to come alongside that mom and provide all the essentials she needs, like bottles, blankets, diapers, and so much more, and it really just gives these moms hope. What goes through a mother's mind when you're balancing whether to throw a party or to have a regular day is obviously finances. Children obviously would love to have friends around them. They want it to be a big celebration like you see on TV and everything. So it is kind of a toss up when you're a parent and you can't necessarily afford to give them what they normally see. So it's a blessing when you can have someone come in and kind of be able to give them that experience. Anytime we had a birthday, it would be just me getting a cake and cutting a cake and us four celebrating. But to have Bright Blessings come in and it just brightened up our day. <laughs> it just really made the birthday party because it was a party, the celebration is special. And I didn't even have to do anything. I just had to show up with them. So I'm just so grateful that the thought of Bright Blessings to just be a blessing we don't just do birthdays um, so much more of what we do is also supporting these children in various ways and so we provide snack bags we provide hygiene kits those go in every birthday bag that we send out and so we're not just providing the gifts they also get two new books in their birthday bags elementary age get comfort items so a stuffed animal a blanket things like that so it's not just birthday gifts that we're just celebrating, but we try to kind of encompass everything that might be in their situation that they might need help with. Bright Blessings serves our school with birthday bags, snack bags, and hygiene packets. We've got almost 500 students and they all get it for their birthday every month. Bright Blessings serving school through the birthday bags is more than just what's in the bags. It's more the feeling of excitement when your birthday comes around. Someone sees you, someone knows that you should be celebrated. Um, it communicates hope, positivity, and just spreads joy, really. The smile and the experience that you're giving to a child who doesn't have any idea about the world and what's going on, it's priceless, honestly. Seeing their face light up and seeing them open gifts and just, just be a kid, I don't think anything can compared to that honestly because they're innocent you know so it's definitely worth it I think the hope for bright blessings is that no child ever goes unnoticed we want to make someone who feels like a nobody is somebody whether that means all they're receiving is a snack bag or they're receiving an entire birthday package our hope is that you know we can get the support that we need to grow because the fact is we have had to tell people no and tell agencies no and we want to grow into new counties but we can't do that without the support of our community and so our hope is that we would never have to say no to anyone and that we would be able to fully support um, any requests that come our way. Isn't that a beautiful ministry? I wonder how many kids are in our 
county and they're praying, when is someone going to notice me? When am I going to have a birthday? Right, a child in Haiti, when am I going to get something to eat? Right, a parent in Mecklenburg County, when, is, when am I going to have diapers or, or the things that I, that I need to care for my children that I can't afford on my own? Like when? I'm so tired of waiting. Maybe we're the answer to their prayer. And maybe some of us cannot have kids or grandkids or nieces or nephews and it hurts like hell. But we can be a parent to a child like this that God gives us an opportunity to do good, to give Jesus a birthday present by loving someone else, someone who's waiting. Maybe we're the answer to their prayer and that they don't have to wait anymore. Isn't that good that we can be Jesus to other people in our community and around the world? So what's the point today? What's the big idea? What's the takeaway? I think it's this. Rejoice, the wait is over. God is with us. Jesus has been born. He lives inside of us. He will come again, but he is with us now. Right? I invite you to think about doing two action steps this week in response to this good news. The first is focus your weary eyes on Jesus. If you are tired of waiting on God, if you have something that you're wrestling with in your life, and you're like, God, why won't you fix this for me? I invite you to look for Jesus and to see that he is with you and he will help you through the pain of this. And if the answer to that prayer is not yes, that God is with you and he will direct you to something else that is good in your life. If you're weary of waiting on God, look around. He's in your life and he's working in other ways. Please don't miss the goodness that God is with you and is working to bring good into your lives. And then the second thing I would invite you to do is this, to help the children of Charlotte and Haiti, to give to our Christmas offering. You can do it any time now between now and the end of the year and just write Christmas offering on that and we will give 100% of it away to help the children of Charlotte, to help the children of Mecklenburg County, to help the children of Haiti who are waiting on food to be noticed on a birthday. A mom's waiting for some help, just everyday items that most of us take for granted. We might be the answer to that prayer. So I started off talking about how terrible the Hornets are and the Panthers are. And there are two people that I know that are probably the biggest fans of the Panthers uh, and the Hornets. One of them is Cole Bryant, who is our modern worship leader upstairs. Everybody say hey to Cole, those of you who are up there. Uh, and then Molly Corley, who's usually in this worship service. She's feeling a little under the weather today. They always have their Panther gear on. They always have their Hornet gear on. They watch the, the shows on TV. They go to games. They always have the hope. Even though we lose year after year after year, they love the Panthers. They love the Hornets. And they're true to them. And they celebrate the wins. And they cry through the losses. But they don't give up. And I think that's how God sees us. That God is our fan. God is your fan. That God loves you. That God's with you when things are going well and you're on top of the world and, and God is with you when things are going horribly and when you make bad decisions and you do dumb things that you shouldn't do and you hurt other people. God doesn't give up on you. God is with us and God is not going anywhere at all. And that is the good news in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.